And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hey y'all, what's up? It has been a hot minute, hasn't it? And at some point, there will be a podcast episode that doesn't open with that. Me saying, ooh, guys, sorry, I suck. Uh, welcome to episode 166 of The Drop Set. I am Darren Starr, your host for the next however many minutes this ends up being. How you doing? I am tired. I am freaking tired as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah paraphrasing but uh that's, that's kind of how that, that's where i've been that's where i've been so do i have any major excuses not really i mean there's been a, a healthy amount of studio time um lately for sure which i tell you what man that that really kind of brings the pain as far as like um cramping the schedule etc and just bringing some fatigue uh but that, that, that's not, not the only reason um i've been absent um i was uh set to do a podcast what monday of last week um, and I opened it up and I just kind of said to myself, you know what? I have the energy for this. I don't, I, I just don't, I can't fake it. I, I don't have the mental capacity to think about what to say. So whatever. And then Friday was very much the same thing. I just kind of like had hit my ceiling, <laughs> the, the floor, uh, the, the pedal was being floored and there was just not enough left in the tank to do this. Not like doing a podcast it is some Herculean effort of, skill and physical capacity or anything like that but you know you got to have a little energy in the tank to be able to do something that people are going to want to listen to i'm going to be able to think about some stuff and honestly if i'm being totally and perfectly frank my give a shit meter was just too low to do it i'm like you know what i'd rather just nap and so for the last week i was definitely like just getting through workouts was a little bit more of a struggle like i'd be looking i'm like okay only 14 sets left to go. I mean, you know, as I'm like barely getting started, like kind of like walking myself through it. And you know, there, there was a point where like on leg days, I'm like, ah, I just don't have it in me for compound moves. I just don't. I mean, that that's where I was for last week. Was I sick? No, not at all. No, I've been fine. Been fine. I've been fucking tired. That's all there is to it. I got no other excuse. I was just tired. Um, why? I don't know. Eh, you know, <laughs> I... Uh, I've been burning the candle on both ends, keeping a pretty aggressive schedule, and I think it just all kind of caught up to me. Um, I mean, work is demanding right now, for sure. Um, it's uh, it's it's really still been a, a very busy month here. Um, I've certainly seen some some clients drop off, as I kind of expected during this whole viral outbreak. Um, just as you know, people are struggling with you know shifting economic situations and such. So uh, that's certainly been a contributing factor. The, the stress of that and like trying to manage the business side of things, but also just the personal side of things and dealing with e- each individual that I'm working with, um, by and large, everybody is just a little bit more demanding right now, which makes perfect sense. And I don't fault anyone for that. Um, I wasn't necessarily expecting it. So it kind of caught me by surprise a little bit like, oh, shoot, you know. People are just needing a little extra hand-holding, a little extra encouragement, some extra ideas and support. And uh, it, uh, I think it just all kind of caught up to me, and my body realized, like, oh, man, yeah. So I've been doing a little bit more giving and a little less holding back for myself, and it all kind of caught up to me. So today is Monday, the 20th. Hi, by the way. Uh, and Saturday and Sunday, this last weekend that we just wrapped up, I think I took a total of five naps between those two days. What are you barking at? Derby is down here behind me. She is hearing Taz upstairs barking at 
he always has something to bark at. It's probably a truck outside or something. And she is sitting here in his bed. Kind of, you can hear this. Hold on. You hear that little, just barely there. She is laying down in bed. She did not even bother to lift her head up for that. She's just kind of like in concert, like, yeah, what he said, what he said. Very much like in the back row, not bothering to get up or sit forward or anything like that. So um, anyway, like five naps this weekend. Got in a couple of good workouts, which is nice. Um, I did what? I guess I did legs on Saturday with the idea of focusing on redemption for my previous piss poor efforts and then uh, arms yesterday, which was good. And I just wrapped up chest, um, still have a little residual pump from that. Uh, so things are still going pretty well with the bands. Um, I still don't have any major complaints. Um, probably a little bit more eager to get back to a regular gym routine than I was a couple weeks ago, but still doing fine and plugging away with it. And I don't anticipate that I will be returning to any such routine terribly soon. So I just want to pump the brakes for everybody here a little bit and say, it, 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 it's April 20th right now. I know a lot of you have, have gyms that are saying like, we're planning to open May 1st. And all I'm going to say is don't count on that shit. Don't put all your eggs in that basket. Uh, I'm not going to say it's unlikely, but you can't count on that to happen. And even if they are open, it doesn't mean it's a good idea to go there. Okay. I just want everybody to be smart about this shit. Okay. Um, because, and I'm, I'm going to be a little preachy here, but the smarter we all are about this, the less disastrous it's going to be. So, uh, you, we all need to do our part. And that doesn't just mean staying at home. It does right now, but it means when you do go out, protect yourself, wear a goddamn mask, please. And if, if you feel dumb for doing it or you don't have to just read a little bit more about it and how effective it can be if everybody does it. And it's not just, if you're sick, you're you know, the way I think about it is I am protecting myself from all the people out there. Like I go to the grocery store, there's grocery store workers out there not wearing masks, not using any kind of protection at all. You know, these late teens, early 20s people that feel invincible, like you're in contact with a shit ton of people. If you don't have it, I'd be surprised at this point. You're probably, I'd assume everybody is an asymptomatic carrier. That's why I wear a mask when I go out, okay? So a little bit of healthy paranoia there, and if you let that guide some of your decision-making, would you just chill out? (laughs) She's so tough. She's so tough. Um, We all got to do our part, and I think the, the safest thing to do is just assume that everybody is an asymptomatic carrier and assume that everybody's infected and just behave accordingly based on that. Give everybody a wide berth, wear a mask, be, be mindful of what you touch, wash your hands like a mofo, all that stuff. Okay, PSA over. That's done. Uh, in the world of bodybuilding, what's going on? You know, there's still a lot of, uh, a lot of question marks right now. When will gyms open? When are shows going to come back? Um, I am here to tell you some breaking news. I have no information on either of those. There you go. I didn't, I didn't keep that tease held out for too long, uh, cause it just seems kind of unfair at this point. Uh, I have no information. Um, I am still holding out hope for a couple of shows in June that have not, uh, have not yet canceled. Um, but I'm kind of not expecting, but just waiting for the announcement um, and and hoping that I don't see it. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that happens. I don't know. Uh, it's uh, I, I don't like I don't like the uncertainty of the whole thing. Uh, I can 
I can deal with the routine and whatnot, but trying to help people plan for shows that may or may not happen, and then, you know, we, oh, we shift the dates. Okay, well, is this new date going to happen? God, I hope so. I mean, that's kind of the place that we're at right now. So uh, it's just a wait and see uh, kind of thing. So uh, it, it's a challenge for everybody just because staying focused when it, in bodybuilding is a tough enough thing. And now this is an extra degree of difficulty with the uncertainty of, you know, is my show going to happen or not? And that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's challenging. I get that. But I had, uh, you know, I, I was passing along a sentiment to a client this morning with her check-in is, you know, whether you are prepping for a show or not, the thing is you have to have a goal that you take seriously. Uh, and so th there's, there's a possibility here for somebody who, isn't prepping for a show to suddenly kind of leapfrog over those who are as far as how determined they're, they're going to be, not because they're suddenly becoming so much more focused, but because those who are prepping for a show may become a little bit less focused due to that uncertainty hanging over your head. And all I can say is be better than that. Uh, ultimately, what you're looking to do is improve your physique. So a show is a short-term goal. Long-term physique improvement is what we're after. And so if you continue prepping for a show that ultimately doesn't happen, all of that work that you are putting in is still going towards improving your physique in the long term. You are, you know, sticking to a cut so that you can get leaner, so that you can have a better place to rebound and grow from when the time comes to change directions. So just be mindful of that. Be thinking long term. Even if the short term goals get, you know, fudged a little bit, um, the long-term goal, we can still maintain our focus on that. So, um, let's see. Do I have any other kinds of personal updates? I don't, I don't think so. I could bore you all with studio tales and whatnot, but honestly, I, I think you've all heard enough of that. I don't know that anybody really cares beyond me. So, I won't bore you with that. Let's get to some messages here. I got a few, and uh, I'm curious to see what you all have to say. This is news to me. So, as you hear them, I'm going to be hearing them for the first time as well. So, let's see what we got. Hi, Darren. This is Kaya from Prescott, Arizona again. So this question um, has to do with my husband. Um, he's been doing the same routine for probably the past two years at least, consists of a treadmill and some light band work that he um, puts in between sessions of walking on the treadmill uh -oh. or jogging on the treadmill. And I think it's great for overall health, um, but um, – for a goal to build muscle, I feel like the routine needs to shift. Um, what are some ways that I can gently, kindly suggest um, to try to shift up the routine to see more gains? Thanks. All right, thanks, Kai. You're now officially the uh, the co-host of this podcast. By the way, um, your uh, official title and plaque are in the mail. So, um. As far as gently and kindly, I don't know. That that's a, a soft skill, that's a people skill. I'm pretty good at that. I don't know your husband at all. So I will let you finesse how to uh break the news to him. Uh and also it depends on what his goals are because um you know he he's doing some treadmill work and light band work. Okay, so are are his goals actually to build muscle because that ain't gonna get it done. And so it just makes me wonder, like, is that really his goal or is he just looking to, like, you know, stay reasonably healthy, you know, um, do, do kind of what, what I would uh, refer to as deficit eating, like, you know, work in some, some cardio, some treadmill work on a regular basis just so that you can get away with a little bit more on the uh, intake side of things, uh, kind of like what – 
what would be a better a better phrase for that? Like, I don't know, negative deficit eating, maybe something like that, or negative deficit behavior. There you go, negative deficit behavior. I like that. I, I just coined that right here, um, where you're you're trying to just you know put yourself into a deficit through work, but really you're just trying to dig yourself out of a hole that you're going to put yourself in by eating more than you should. You know, kind of like, hey, I, I can get away with this because I'm doing this work, which to some extent, yes, but you're also never going to progress doing that. You're just going to kind of maintain, hopefully, if you find the right balance there. So I would I would just like the the interrogation light in his face yell at him point blank finger in the face what are your goals and if he's like my goals are to gain muscle well what are you doing this crap for because this is a giant waste of your time this ain't gonna do it buddy um and it's also a question of where is his physique right now um is he in a position where growing makes sense um and if he has a lot of body fat to lose for example i would say uh you know he, he needs to continue with some kind of cardio get the diet tightened up but still the light band work, uh, and, and I, I know I've been a big proponent of band stuff, but when you say light band work, what that tells me is you're basically like putting a muscle through a range of motion and not really challenging it too much. Because um, if you want to do some serious band work, it's absolutely possible, but then if, if someone, someone were to observe you doing that, I don't think you would call it light band work. Be like, man, they're doing some crazy band shit is what they'd probably say. So... Uh, assess the goals, make sure that, that that is indeed the goal and the focus. Uh, as far as how to encourage him, I don't know. You, you hopefully know best how to communicate with him and how to you know, push the right kind of buttons and avoid the bad buttons <laughs> that are, that are going to get that kind of response like, oh, yeah, well, F you too. You know, we don't want that. We don't want any of that kind of drama. Um, but what, what does he need to do? It, again, it d- depends tremendously on where he is. So uh, if there's body fat to lose, continue with the cardio, get the diet tightened up, and then step up the intensity on the bands. Um, if there isn't really a whole ton of body fat to lose, like he's in a decent level of body composition right now, chill out on the cardio, um, keep the diet in check, You know, probably tighten it up a little bit, just push harder on the resistance side of things. Um, even if bands are all you've got, okay, well, you know, maybe you don't have enough. Maybe improve the inventory of bands. Um, you know, what? I don't remember what your uh, your equipment setup is there at home. Um, but you know, certainly, you know, have have him follow the same routine that you're doing. There's nothing wrong with that. Routines are not gender specific. You could say that routines might be, you know, division specific. If you're doing something that's like designed for a figure competitor, okay, well, that that doesn't mean it's ill suited for him. You know, it, it means that, you know, it's doing things that would provide more emphasis for what would be uh, an asset on a figure stage. That doesn't mean it's bad for him. So, you know, just more more resistance work. Um, big thing for me is if somebody I mean, it, it seems like an obvious question. And so I have to kind of put myself in the position of somebody who's more of a novice here. But if somebody says, I really want to build muscle, but I'm not doing any real significant resistance training and I'm on the treadmill a lot, I'm like, what I want to say is, do you think that's going to get the job done? Because of course it's not. That that ain't that ain't the ticket. And and there's no no thinking that should you know there's there's no rationale that should make you think that that is the ticket. So what is really the goal here? And so that that's kind of where I would approach that question from. Of like, really? Are are we sure that's what's going on here? Um, and maybe it's just like, well, I don't really know what to do when it comes to working out. Okay, well that kind of goes beyond the scope of what I can help with here. But there are a lot of resources out there. You know, I mean, I've got plans available. You can go to bodybuilding.com and and find you know a billion workouts for free. Um, there's so much stuff out there. So not knowing isn't really an excuse as long as you know where to look. And there's you know, so many resources out there. 
the bodybuilding.com plans, they're okay. Um, you know, they, they're not my favorite in the world. Uh, some of them are okay, but some of them were really like, really? What? We're doing this? And a lot of them also, I mean, I'm sure I haven't looked recently. I'm sure they have some that are suitable for, for home, at-home workouts with no or minimal equipment. Um, I've got the stuff on my website as well that you can download for free too. Um, for, for home gym type stuff. So um, plenty of resources available um, if that is the ticket. And certainly it's going to be a bit of a learning curve. Um, the diet will have to be in check as well. But uh, the transition should be fairly easy. You know, less cardio, more lifting. Let's see what else we got here. Hi, Darren. It's Aaron from Minneapolis. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the difference between HIT and LIS. Uh, when you think um, either is effective um, or are there times where both can be incorporated and infected, effective into a plan. I'm also starting to hear more about a term called MEAT, the non-exercise activity thermogenesis, I think that's what it is. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. I'm not sure if you've talked about that in the past. But, uh, yeah, just want to talk about cardio. Thanks. Bye. Who wants to talk about cardio, Aaron? What is wrong with you? Um, <laughs> you're insane. Um, NEAT. I should uh, check out that acronym here. I'm, I'm familiar with the concept, but um, non-exercise activity thermogen. Yeah, that is it. I, th- I was thinking, like, I think one of those is off. But, um, yeah, so um, it is defined as being the energy expended for everything we do that is not sleeping, eating, or sports-like exercise. So, um yeah, I don't, I don't really like that definition. So it, it's basically the difference between your um, base metabolic rate and your TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure that doesn't include calories burned via working out. So think of it as like a pyramid that you build stuff on your um, your. BMR, your base or your resting metabolic rate is the foundation of the period. That's like your calories that would burn, you would burn if you were just, you know, in bed and asleep all day long for 24 hours. That's your BMR basically. Now your total daily energy expenditure is the whole pyramid, the whole damn thing. So from the base to the very tippy top, there's other stuff that makes up. I mean, that TDEE is a final number. That is your, your absolute total. That's the peak of the pyramid. Your BMR is like your your foundation, but then I guess your your neat uh, here would be. Um, <laughs> it also says what uh, and includes energy expended walking from work, typing, performing yard work, undertaking agri- agricultural tasks, and fidgeting. That got really specific really fast. Agricultural tasks, okay. Performing yard work. Who wrote this? I mean, it's the NIH, but still, it's kind of weird. It's got got really specific really fast. Um, so then your, your neat would be, um, the next biggest chunk of the pyramid. So it's a a range of calories, not a, a a final number or anything like that. And then I guess the top of that pyramid would probably be, well, I mean, the next thing would probably be like your, um, energy expenditure from working out and then probably TEF, your thermic effect of food, or is that calculated as part of your neat? I don't know. It's like the, the calories that you burn, um, digesting food, basically it's your TEF. So, um, Anyway, that that was that was one thing. So, um, I mean, yeah, that's it's an important consideration when I'm trying to to determine macros for people, and it's the only reason why in the assessment form I ask somebody what their job is, because um, if your job is oh I'm a computer programmer versus I'm a landscaper, that that's that's neat. <laughs> I mean that 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 is 
a huge difference in your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. That's why I care what your job is. Some people will just, like, leave that blank and be like, no, 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 no. I, I need to know. I need to know. This isn't like me being curious or anything like that. that. But, uh, uh, I mean, I am. But <laughs> it's, it's important also. Um, so, as to your, your original question, the difference between hit and list, and, uh, you know, that's one of those words I just hate saying, list. I'm like, eh, I, I don't know. I, I don't like speaking that acronym. I don't know why, but I, I just don't. Um, so HIT, high intensity interval training, that's with two I's and a T versus LIS with one I and two S's, low intensity steady state. Um, not to be confused also with MISS, another acronym that I hate speaking. I, I, I just don't, I don't like it. I don't know why. I don't know why. Everybody has those words. I'm not even going to start to rattle them off right now because I don't want to I don't want to make myself throw up but or make other people's ears cringe or anything like that. But you know what I'm talking about. Um, this ugh, would be a moderate intensity steady state. So um, the difference between them, it's just about, you know, how much of your VO2 max you're working towards, um, your rating of perceived exertion, your calories burned per minute, and therefore your total calories burned as well. Uh I will, for right now, leave out of the discussion the different ways that you could go about doing this, like doing hit on a jump rope versus a bike versus a body weight routine versus running sprints. We're just going to talk about categories for right now. So clearly, like if you did it on a bike, um, it's going to tax your legs a whole lot different than if you were doing a hit routine using battle ropes, for example. We're going to just ignore that for right now. Uh, so. The, the main difference is calories burned. Now, I am a huge fan. If anybody has listened to 10 minutes of this podcast ever, you know that I'm a big fan of one thing above all else. I should just pause right there and let you all think about what that is for a second. It's like, is, is, is he talking about boobs or what? Huh? What? No, I'm a big fan of efficiency above all else. That is the most important thing. I'm a huge, huge fan of efficiency. Um, therefore, my preferred form of cardio is pretty much always going to be HIT or some, you know, uh, the, the, the cardio protocol that I favor when I write plans, I call it hybrid cardio because we do some, some really high intensity intervals and then a short steady state recovery period. I mean, that is what interval cardio is. You don't just go hard nonstop for 20 or 25 minutes. Um, you gotta have a break. So, uh, what I'm looking for there is maximum calorie burn, minimum amount of time. I don't want somebody to have to grind out a 60-minute cardio session. You know what? Let's just do um, intervals for 25 minutes, call it good, get the F off that machine, go about your business, do something else. Minimal investment of time. That's what I'm looking for. Minimal investment of time, maximum return on results. Um, now, the problem is if you do it correctly, hit cardio is really, really demanding and draining. Um, and so there is what I would consider to be a ceiling for how much of that is productive, like doing hit cardio two a days. No. So it's not, not a good thing. What I would then advocate for, if we get to a point where we need to double up and do cardio two a days, we're going to do steady state for the second one of those, rather than try to bust through a hit workout, a brutal lifting session and another hit workout in some day in, in the same day. No. No, there are very few people that have the kind of motor that it takes to operate at a level like that. I am not one of them, full disclosure as well. So what I'm going to advocate for is, okay, let's do our hit, let's do um, a lift, and then if we're at a point where we need to double up and do more cardio, we'll do some, some steady state. But it's going to be moderate intensity, steady state. Low intensity, steady state, screw that. What's the point? 
No, ain't nobody got time for that. If you've got time for cardio, sweat. Low intensity, steady state is like, oh, go right up until you break a sweat, but then you know, don't don't go any past that. You know, screw that. You know who that's for? Ronnie Coleman, <laughs> and nobody else. Uh, I know he was uh, you know, he was the, the one who kind of popularized that, and so a lot of people do it now because they want to be like Ronnie. Screw that. If you're gonna do cardio, make it worth your while. Burn some effing calories. Sweat. Work. Um, the the other time where I would advocate if a moderate intensity, steady state cardio. Notice I'm, uh, hold on, moderate intensity, steady state cardio. I am opting to speak out 13 syllables instead of just saying the acronym for that. That's how much I hate it. I will go for the 13 syllables every time, every time. So moderate intensity, steady state cardio. <laughs> I will uh, advocate for that over hit. Funny that I don't have a problem saying hit. I'm totally cool with that. It's the other two that bug me. I don't know. Weird. I will advocate for that over hit um, in situations like this. If we do not have a way to do hit cardio that is effective, efficient, and I would also say safe. And by safe, I don't just mean you know risk of acute injury, but I mean if if you are, for example, if you are a bit overweight, um, I'm not going to ask you to do wind sprints for your cardio because it's going to bang the hell out of your feet, ankles, knees, and hips. Um, you know, there, there's something about what, what was the study? It's like every extra pound of body weight is six extra pounds of force on your joints when you walk or something like that. I don't know the exact numbers, but the sentiment there is very real. So, you know, the, the more overweight you are, and I would put myself in that category right now, I'm six foot, 240 pounds. So, you know, I'm not, you know, fat, but I am overweight. I am not at a weight where it is comfortable for me to run aggressively. That's for sure. Now, that's different for everybody. Some people may be, but I'm looking for things that are, are going to put fewer miles on your odometer. And so, especially if you're out there lacking equipment and your only option for hit cardio realistically is like, I go outside and I run. Well, I don't, I don't like that for most people. Um, I mean, it's effective for sure, but it puts a lot of wear and tear on your body. It's going to beat you up. And as bodybuilders, you've heard me say this before, we do a lot of cardio. Um, I want to do cardio that puts fewer miles on your odometer while burning the most calories possible. I don't want cardio to beat up your joints and the muscles. I want to beat up your heart um, and make you sweat and make you burn. Uh, so th that would be a situation where I'd say, hey, you know what? Let's just do some moderate intensity, steady state cardio instead of hit. Uh, that's another time when that would be appropriate. But low intensity, pfft, nah, screw that. Um, I, I don't know that I ever program in low intensity cardio. Uh, except maybe in, in a situation with some very extenuating circumstances. Uh, and then how do I differentiate between those? That's going to be the next inevitable follow-up question, so let me answer that right now. I never rely on heart rate readings because you know I've worked with people who say, I have to get my heart rate up to about 180 before I start sweating, versus me, it's like if mine gets up to 110, I'm already there. <laughs> So, and certainly en environmental factors play into that as well. Like, where are you? Are you indoors, outdoors? What's the temperature? What are you wearing? But still, um, some people, they just, they've got to get their heart rate cranking. So if I said, okay, get your heart rate up to 180, somebody tells me that, I'm like, uh, yeah, the only way it's going to be in 180 is if I'm in the back of an ambulance. Okay. That's the only time, the only time that's ever going to happen. So I don't use heart rate targets. Um, I use RPE, rating of perceived exertion. The answer to the question, hey, how hard are you working right now? Scale of 1 to 10. And uh, I think, uh, am I remembering this correctly? Let me go back to my personal training certification days. See how many Star Trek hits I get off of this. Um, 
the Borg scale, yes, um, is uh, a simple method of rating perceived exertion. Uh huh. And can be used by so blah 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 blah. So um, yeah. <laughs> so you're supposed to um, multiply your RPE, your rating of perceived exertion on the Borg scale by 10 to get an estimated heart rate. Okay, cool. So the Borg scale starts at 6 and goes to 20, which is why I always make fun of it. I'm like, that is the dumbest scale in the world. I don't care what your heart rate is. Give me a scale 1 to 10, how hard you're working. So if I'm like, rate your effort right now on a scale of 6 to 20, you're like, uh, 13 and a half? Wrong answer. No, it's dumb. Give me a break. Scale goes from 1 to 10. Okay, stop trying to get cute and have a scale where, oh, then you can multiply it by this to get your heart rate. Fuck that. No, I don't care about that crap. That's irrelevant. Um, no, so 1 to 10, how hard you're working. So for hit cardio, it should be like a 9, 9.5. I mean, it should be <laughs> – I, I get the question often, am I working hard enough on my hit cardio? No. If you have to ask the question, the answer is no. Um, if you are working hard enough, you will know. And there are certainly days where it's like, oh, I'm grinding. I'm going hard. Man, whew, okay, I just about died. All right, I burned a shit ton of calories. And then there's going to be another day where it's like, eh, well, you know, I was going pretty hard, but eh, not, you know, yep, 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 we're losing it. So refocus yourself. You know, Shake up your music playlist. If you've got something that's pulling your focus away, get rid of it. So uh, it, hit cardio needs to be like a 9 or a 10. Low-intensity, steady-state cardio, probably about a 5, I would say. Uh, Moderate-intensity, steady-state cardio, probably about a 7, 7.5, something like that. So the way I try to describe it to people rather than put numbers on it is hit cardio, you are begging for death or at least the end of the cardio session by the time it's you know, you're, you're not quite done with it. You're like, oh, God, I need this to be over. And then you pretty much need a shower immediately. That, that's hit cardio if you're doing it effectively. Moderate-intensity, steady-state cardio... 13 syllables once again that's more like uh okay i'm not really loving this right now i'm not dying but i'm glad this is over is how you should feel by the end of it like whew, okay thank you check that off the list all right cool um versus low intensity steady state cardio you can do that for an hour and you just be bored i mean the the, the limiting factor there is boredom not fatigue uh, that's or, or like you know you're starting to lose circulation in your feet or something like that. <laughs> just in order for that to do much, you just got to do it for a long time. What's the point? Life is too short for hour-long cardio sessions. Yes, coming from a bodybuilding coach, you just heard it right here. Um, and so probably get emails from clients. Well, what about when you had me? Chill out. If you're if you're deep into prep, rules change a little bit. So chill out, chill out. Save, save your <laughs> save your vitriol for someone else. Um, so anyway, the, Aaron, those are really good questions. I like that. Not a fan of low intensity, moderate intensity. Sure. Absolutely. Um, when, uh, we kind of run out of metabolic capacity for hit cardio, um, or, uh, when, uh, when circumstances just don't really allow us to do hit effectively. So, uh, that's a good time. Good time for that. And then the, the question about your non-exercise activity thermogenesis as well. Uh, very good. I like that. So all the things make up that make up your TDEE and realistically your TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure, everything all included is what we care about. So when somebody says I had my, my resting metabolic rate measured, I'm like, first of all, stop right there. I don't care. Um, that's something that you can pretty much guess just based on age, gender, height, um, and uh, it, it can't really be measured in a way that I've ever found to be accurate. And it's also not the number that matters. 
So, uh, you know, if, if you have a very low RMR versus a very high RMR, you can easily overcome that just by being more or less active during the day. You can overcome it or be overcome by it um, just based on your activity throughout the day. Do you have a job where you're sitting down or do you have a job where you're standing up? That alone can make a huge difference in your TDE. So that's the number that really matters, and your NEAT is a big portion of what goes into calculating that. So, Aaron, great question. What's next? Hi, Darren. This is Taya from Prescott, Arizona. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about tempo, um, how we can vary tempo for better gains. Um, specifically, like if you're doing a 5x5 five five heavy workout versus maybe a 6 to 8 rep um, moderate hypertrophy type workout or a, a lighter uh, 12 to 15 uh, rep type workout. But what impact is Awesome, Kaya. Thanks. And uh, thanks again for contributing and keeping the podcast afloat. I feel like you're the, uh, like I'm a fledgling bookstore and you're the one person that keeps coming in and like buying the expensive books and makes it so that I can actually pay the lease payment for the store. <laughs> so yeah. it's a big responsibility, I know. But thank you. Thank you. So Tempo, always a favorite topic of mine, absolutely. So how to vary for better gains. I mean, the, the main thing that you can do on tempo is be aware of it. And also be aware of when you are trying to follow it and when you are losing sight of it. So if you're going for like a one, two, one, one tempo, let's just back up a second here. What do those numbers mean? Those numbers refer to how many seconds you spend in each phase of the exercise. So for those of you who are new to this and new to tempo and maybe haven't experimented with it much yourself, uh, every exercise has four phases. There's the concentric, there's the squeeze, there's the negative, and then there's the pause between reps, usually between reps, um, not always. So sometimes, depends on the exercise, the order of those, uh, it, it, they always happen in that order, but they aren't necessarily, like the pause isn't necessarily between reps, it might be mid-rep, um, and then also uh, the concentric isn't always the first phase. So let's take a look at it. The concentric is um, when the muscles are how should we say this, when they're getting shorter. So uh, when you are curling up, when you are pulling down, when you are pressing up, when you are coming up from a squat, when you're pushing on the leg press, you know, the actual exertion that you tend to think of, that's the concentric. Um, the negative is the opposite of that. In between the concentric and the negative, um, there is a squeeze. So you push up on the bench press. The pecs are fully shortened. They have the opportunity there to squeeze as well. So you can apply a little oomph at the squeeze. You curl up. The biceps fully shortened. You can add a little squeeze for emphasis there. You come up from the bottom of a squat. You're all the way up at the top. You're fully extended. You can squeeze all the musculature in the legs there. Um, not usually something I like to emphasize on a squeeze. And so you pull down. Pull down bars all the way at your collarbone. Lats are fully shortened. Um, you can apply a squeeze in the lats to really, you know, add a little extra emphasis there. There are some times when that's, you know, more and less effective, but nonetheless, it is a phase of the exercise to be aware of. And then after the negative, there is the pause. So you you curl up, you get a good negative in. Your elbows are fully extended. The weight's all the way back down. You then pause there. That, that's the pause phase. Do you want to? Do you not want to? Just depends on the movement. Um, you pull down. Your bar's all the way down to the collarbone. You squeeze. You get a good negative, and you're back all the way up, stretched into a dead hang. That's your pause between reps. On a squat, you squat all the way down. Now your pause is at the bottom. So now this isn't between reps. This is mid-rep because this is an exercise that starts with the negative as opposed to starting with the concentric. So what starts with the negative? Pretty much any kind of press, any kind of squat. Um, also a dip and an RDL. 
That's fairly close to your comprehensive list. Um, so any kind of a squat, any kind of a press. So bench press, leg press, um, that's typically going to start with a negative as well. Your dips, it starts going down, etc. cetera. Uh, and then an RDL, it starts with your negative as well. So all of those start with a negative, and then your pause happens at the point of max tension in the muscles as opposed to being between reps. Um, so there's just two classifications of exercise to happen in, but they always happen in the order, uh, to be aware of, they always happen in the order concentric, squeeze, negative, pause. Um, now, it just mean may mean, however, that, um, it doesn't necessarily start with the concentric. You might start with the negative, in which case it's negative, pause, concentric, squeeze. But still, it is. Uh, they always happen in that order, maybe just starting with the third number instead of the first. So that's the order that they always appear in when I plug them into workouts. Concentric, squeeze, negative, pause. How do we remember that? My favorite tool is, you know, how we're supposed to take our, our pets to the vet and get them fixed. But uh, imagine instead a bizarro world where we are on the leashes and our pets take us in to get us fixed. And so therefore, your cat spays and neuters people. C-S-N-P, concentric squeeze, negative pause. Cat, spay, neuter people. There you go. Now you're never going to forget that, right? Probably a lot of things you're never going to forget at this point. Not all of them good. Uh, so how to utilize tempo. Um, it, it depends on what you're trying to do as far as is tempo really useful. Like if you're doing a five, five, five program and trying to go really heavy, you know, you're probably doing that more for strength than anything else, in which case tempo isn't necessarily your best friend. It's not necessarily going to help you move more weight. Um, in fact, extreme tempo is designed to make you move less weight. One of the things that tempo is really good at is making exercises more effective with less weight. So for example, if you do a, lat pull down with a 1140 tempo. Let's break that down. 1140, one second concentric, one second squeeze, four second negative, no pause. So I am there looking for a rep that takes six seconds. More common might be like a 1020 tempo. One second concentric, no squeeze, two seconds on the negative, no pause. Whenever you see zeros in the second and the fourth spots, that means a zero squeeze, a zero pause. It means whatever the weight is, whether it's a handle, whether it's a dumbbell, whether it's a barbell, whatever, it's always moving. It's never static. Um, so that's a, a constant movement, co constant movement, constant tension kind of thing. Uh, so one zero two zero tempo for a pull down. Um, Let's do that. Now, let's say we get crazy and we're going to do a 1060 tempo for a pull down. Much slower negative, second, seven second reps. Those are two different exercises. Your weight is not going to be different. Or, this is the point where I should go back up and edit that out, but now I'm just going to carry on. We're going to soldier on. We're going to be stubborn here. No editing, no editing allowed. Your weight is going to be completely different for those two ex they are completely different exercises you're talking about making the negative three times as long as it is in this other one totally different exercises when we were still in the gyms i was in this kick where i was doing hack squats with six second negatives so the weight that i was doing on that was completely and totally different from what i was doing on a normal hack squat which may be tempo less and just focused on pushing weight um you slow that down yeah i mean the one of the biggest things there it's a great it's a great utility and it's a great tactic to use for honing in on your mind muscle connection because you go through a six second negative boy that's a long time for your legs to talk to you um, on each rep and so you can really get a sense for 
you know, what the different muscles are doing and how things are feeling, where your utilization is shifting. Like, oh man, I'm really shifting more onto my toes here. Let me shift back onto my heels. A lot of time for a lot of communication, a lot of feedback to happen there. So take advantage of it for that. Um, and then also just, you know, resisting on a negative for that long. It's a different kind of tension on the muscle as well. Makes the next rep a little bit harder. So there's just this acceleration of difficulty in the set as you go through the curve. Just looks a lot different than it does on a normal set. So um, that's all things to consider there. Um, but just understand, like, there are different exercises. So if you're trying to do a squat with, a, with no specified tempo, and then a squat with a, uh, let's say, a one zero three zero tempo, totally different exercises. So you can't say, man, I'm not even close to my squat PR. Like, no, but are you close to your squat PR for a one zero three zero tempo? Because that's the only thing that matters. You can't compare that to a, a free tempo squat where you're just free to, like, focus on pushing weight. It's not what we're doing here. Um, and so one of the things that's really helpful here is it allows you to provide maximum muscular tension with minimal joint strain. I didn't say no joint strain, but minimal joint strain. My, my thing has always been to um, figure out how to take more of the work that we do and put it into the muscle and have less of it come into the joints. Um, so we keep the joints happy, we keep the muscles really pissed off, and then we feed them well um, and help them grow. Tempo is a great trick for doing that. So basically, you know, you could just randomly pick four numbers out of a hat and see what it does for, and it's regardless of rep range, does not matter at all. I would say the lower the rep range, the less useful this becomes. But like my band split, um, I have some uh, stuff where we're doing uh, heavy band rows for six to 10 reps with two to, you know, like two second concentric, two second squeezes, et cetera. So, you know, there, there's still some utility there. Um, but just keep in mind, are you doing low reps because you want to get stronger? If so, you fo focus on that instead. Um, that, that's the main thing. Don't worry about tempo too much, but focus on pushing some weight. Tempo can be a strategy that helps you get there, but it's going to be a supplemental strategy. Um, like, you know, that, that you would use to help get it over, get over a sticking point more than anything else. Um, so regardless of the rep range, if it's six to eight, if it's 10 to 12, if it's 12 to 15, 20 to 30, it doesn't matter. Just keep in mind that the, with, with tempo, there is a tendency on the later reps to start to, um, stray from that tempo and speed things up a little bit. And on a high rep set that could happen. Like if your rep targets 25 for a certain exercise, uh, and you apply a slow tempo to that, just keep in mind after about rep 10 to 12, most people are really going to start speeding up and the last back half of that set's going to look like free tempo. Um, so now there are some people that can really, really do a good job and just say, okay, so this is a one zero three zero tempo. So every rep is four seconds. I've got a set of 20 here. Okay. This set is going to be a minute and a half from the first rep to the last. Some people are really good at doing that. Very few, very few. And if you're like, I can do that. Okay. Time yourself. Time yourself. Do the math and figure out how many seconds each rep is supposed to take and then time your set and see how close you get. That's really probably without taking breaks in between reps also. Yeah, that doesn't count. How much time do you actually spend working? Because if it says one zero three zero, that zero, that last one is for pause between reps, which means you're not taking a break. It means you don't get a rep that's a one zero three five where you get to take a five second pause before your next rep. Nope, 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 nope. How strictly can you obey the tempo? And at what point do you start to slip on that? That's a good note to put on your log. If you've got a set of 15 and your tempo starts to slip up at around, you know, 12 or something like that, make a note of that. 
make a note of that. You know, I'd, I'd write it in superscript above that. I might write like a 12 T for 12 tempo, you know, around rep 12, my tempo started speeding up. That, that's a common note that I put in my own logs. So, um, I would certainly take advantage of that, but basically, you know, any kind of tempo can work. Um, there are certain exercises that are certainly built for, um, more productive tempos uh, on certain phases. Like you don't find a lot of squats that have a really slow concentric, but like in my band workout split, I put in um, a, like a three or a four second concentric on band squats simply because, you know, I want to accentuate the phase when the band is getting stretched more and make that harder. With a barbell, you get more benefit out of slowing down the negative. And if you try to slow down the concentric on a squat, I mean, that, that's making it almost unnecessarily hard. <laughs> It's like it's already hard enough in that phase. You don't need to slow it down to make it harder. Um, but the negative, a lot of people have a tendency to just kind of dive bomb their squats and just fall down to the bottom. You slow that down a little bit, you get better tension on the muscles. It spares the knees a little bit too. It's a good thing. Um, but one thing that a lot of people do is they, they will refuse to ever slow down the concentric on exercises. And there's certainly some value from that. And I've talked before, I think about slowing down the concentric on back exercises. Like if you want to really, really feel a seated row and not just, you know, turn it into a cardio exercise or something where you say like, fuck, this is hard. This is heavy. Okay. Yeah. But are you feeling it in your back? Well, no, it's just hard. Uh huh. Yeah. Where are you feeling it? Hands, wrists, forearms, arms. Yeah. Not your back. Okay, cool. Slow it down. Give me a four-second concentric. Okay, and then you try to use the same weight. Can't even get one rep. A four-second concentric is really hard, really hard. So you're going to have to drop the weight maybe by like 50% or something like that. So, um, And what that does when you go, and keep in mind, a four-second concentric looks like this. We start the rep, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four, 1,000. Now your elbows are all the way back. It takes that long. That's four seconds. It's a long time. The other thing about tempo is that when you count it in your head during a rep, you always count faster. So that's where we need like the 60 beats per minute playlist where all the songs are at 60 beats per minute. Um, and the trick is finding a playlist like that that's not going to put you to sleep. So I still got to put that together to help with tempo counting. So, um, But basically, you know, any tempo can work. Um, and don't worry about rep ranges. Just understand that with a higher rep range, it becomes easier to speed up the tempo and go towards free time, which isn't, isn't good. So the tempo is there for a reason, and that reason is for you to follow it precisely so don't let don't be okay with um kind of losing sight of where that tempo is trying to take you if that makes sense so really good question on that though i like it i like it so i'm gonna shut up um i'm tired i'm tired i think i'm due for a nap no i'm just kidding i'm i feel like i'm all napped up but i got some workout splits to write um i've got a new plan to write actually for someone new um i've still got a few check-ins to do and then um figure probably around five or so when I'm all wrapped up with this stuff, uh, it will be time for me to return back to music for after hours. And my current project is writing a score for a string quintet for one of our songs. Not exactly the skill set that <laughs> I would associate with, with a bodybuilding coach, but there you go. So I'm writing a score for a double bass cello, viola, and two violins um, to go with one of our songs. And it's just going to be that quintet, piano and vocals. So um, i got to get get that put together and get it formalized and recorded and sent on over to the engineer. So that's, uh, that's my afternoon. There you go. I already got a chest workout in. I'm good to go. So it's all, all good here. So thank you all for listening. Um, the the call-in number, once again, because I'm almost officially caught up now. So I need some stuff. 
865-518-2974. Go to thedropset.com. Phone number's posted there. Um, you can find me. Um, I'm online um, at thedropset.com at fivestarphysique.com. That's star spelled out with two R's. The number five spelled out, F-I-V-E, fivestarphysique.com. You can find me on Instagram at Darren, D-A-R-I-N, underscore, star, two R's. Thank you.